Hello, and welcome to the Eyes Therapist podcast series. I'm your host, Alana Margulies Snyderman, and with me today is Kevin Miao, head of credit at Block Tower Capital, an institutional investment firm headquartered in Miami, focused on cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. Today, Kevin will share with us his outlook for asset-backed specialty finance enhanced through blockchain technology, including the greatest opportunities and challenges he faces. He will also address how the firm is integrating DEI. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for being with me today. Thanks, Alana. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So, Kevin, to kick off the conversation, tell us about the firm and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So Block Tower was founded in 2017 by Matthew Getz and Ari Paul, both of whom kind of come from institutional, traditional finance world. Matthew was an exec at uh, GSAM. Ari Paul was leading risk and working at the University of Chicago Endowment. And their vision at the beginning was really around how do you build the best-in-class asset manager for a new asset class? The KKRs already exist, the Apollos already exist, the Bridgewaters. And I think both of them shared this vision that digital assets was a, a place where they could really make an impact and, and build a market leader, which you know I really think that they've done since then. And for me personally, I came from a very similar background. Uh, I was at Citigroup until 2021, where I was running a structured credit trading desk primarily focused on providing you know, flexible lending solutions to fintech lenders, both in the private markets, trading public market ABS, as well as doing a bunch of really interesting things on the ABS CDO and SIV side of things. So really legacy credits from the financial crisis that were highly distressed coming out of the financial crisis, we would purchase and basically dissolve and restructure into better financial outcomes. So that was a really interesting experience. Then I left in 2021 to become the director of operations at a fintech lender called CapChase, focused on providing credit to early stage software as a service companies and really doing so in a purely automated API focused manner, kind of like a modern tech company really ought to be. After that, I went to Harvard Business School, but dropped out after a semester because I was recruited to come here at Block Tower to launch a credit fund that is really unique within the crypto asset manager space where we you know, don't focus on investing in crypto or crypto adjacent companies. We invest in in traditional structured credit assets like what I've been doing and what my team has been doing our entire professional careers, but leveraging blockchain technology and DeFi pools of capital to enhance returns for our investors. Kevin, very interesting journey to how you got to where you are today. So that segues nicely into the next question about the investment strategy you manage. And I'd love to hear your outlook for the space. Yeah. So a little bit about our strategy is we back earlier stage fintech lenders through senior secured facilities or forward flow agreements, very similar to the Victory Parks or the I-80s of the world. I-80 was actually our senior secured lender at uh, CapChase, for example. And that is the core asset that we really go after. Now, what we do with that after the fact is instead of going to a Citigroup or a Goldman Sachs in order to restructure this into or uh, re-remic this into a new structure in which there's a senior and a junior note. We do that through blockchain technology. We securitize directly onto the Ethereum blockchain through a partner called Centrifuge. The senior and the junior notes live as NFTs on the blockchain, which is a really, you know, a lot. I'm sure a lot of people think about NFTs and think about JPEGs and monkey pictures, but we use them to denote senior and junior loans. And by virtue of them being on this ecosystem, they are able to be 
interoperable with all of the innovation that's happened within the DeFi ecosystem over the last two to three years. So that means being able to draw capital from a partner like MakerDAO, for example, where we have a credit line engaged and we basically use our senior like tokens uh, or these senior tranches to effectuate a credit transaction and to, to borrow against it. So it's a really exciting kind of space. And I think really what the opportunity here is for structured credit funds or anyone in the space is the ability for this technology to massively streamline the operations that you have and disintermediate traditional counterparties. So for example, a traditional securitization in the world that we live in today probably has 14 different roles from a calculation agent, a paying agent, a trustee, an administrator, all the way down the list. Code reduces all of that to really two or three necessary counterparties. And what do you get from that? Well, effectively, instead of paying 45 basis points to run a securitization on an ongoing basis, you're going to be able to do that for two to five basis points. And that's a massive efficiency gain in this space. And of course, there's a lot of other things that are really exciting about it. But I think for many of the investors listening to this podcast, that's you know probably at the forefront. Oh, that's very exciting. Kevin, are there any other specific opportunities that you're really excited about or did you want to address some of the hurdles that you come across in this very interesting strategy? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely a lot of other opportunities out there for this, you know, as I alluded to earlier. For example, if you are a lender, someone like a lending club or a Quicken Loans, when you originate a loan, you are going to the capital markets, typically a bank or a bank like City, in order to have them purchase your asset. Right? You've originated this loan, it might be generating 6 to 7% yield, but you don't want to hold that on your balance sheet. So you go and execute that in the capital markets. Now, after you sell the loan as the originator, you never see it again. It's never a revenue generating opportunity for you again. And really what ends up happening is the cities of the world, right? The desk that I used to run, we would profit from the secondary trading as the investor who initially purchased it wants to sell it to someone else. Well, we would broker the trade, take a spread. Uh, and what I think is really interesting about this technology, or one of the many things that I think is interesting, is if you think about how we denominate our or denote our senior and junior tranches, which themselves are in effect loans on the blockchain, they're NFTs. And when NFTs, you know, say a board ape or one of these kind of like JPEGs that a lot of people make fun of, when they trade around, typically there are royalties associated with the creator of that NFT. So if you created that piece of art per se, every secondary sale afterwards, there might be a one to 10%, you know, royalty fee going to you. Now, imagine that in the case of a lending club, where originally all of the secondary trading was part of the profit that city would extract from the transaction, that could actually be done, you know, or given back to lending club. And lending club now has this really interesting recurring revenue that they have by securitizing this asset on the blockchain, as opposed to in the uh, traditional system. And, you know, after running operations at a lender like Capchase, it's very clear that you know any time any type of recurring revenue that you can generate from this asset that you work so hard to you know originate in the first place to find the customer to underwrite the customer to make that initial sale it's a really really attractive you know opportunity that's really kind of unique to this ecosystem in terms of the challenges i mean there are many it's still very very early for the crypto ecosystem I think one of the reasons that I was really attracted to launching Block Tower Credit here outside of or out of Block Tower was because they already have five, six years of institutional experience trading, custodying, you know, managing the process, the unique process of 
being a digital asset manager or transacting in digital assets today, that is getting easier and easier as the infrastructure is being built out, you know, to democratize this technology beyond kind of the earliest adopters who are super fans of crypto. But it's not quite there yet. It's probably a couple years away. And so today, that's an embedded advantage for us here at Block Tower because we can do our jobs on the credit underwriting and the credit portfolio management side of things. But the inf- like integrating with this technology, while we are you know super interested in crypto and, and love it ourselves, like we're doing it outside of a or out of an institution that already has all of these capabilities built in house, and that's something that would be expensive and time consuming for others. And but at the same time, this technology really won't take off until there are a hundred block towers out there doing what we're doing, and we hope to kind of you know light the way. Absolutely, Kevin. Kevin, to shift topics a little bit, DEI is obviously top of mind for the industry. So I wanted to ask you how Block Tower is embedding it into its firm's investment remit and culture. Yeah, it's a it's a great question, and honestly, something that I've spent an inordinate amount of time thinking about here. You know, taking an honest look at if you think about the pool of employees that are out there for exactly what Block Tower credit. And specifically is trying to do, we need people who have both kind of a technical background, not from just a software engineering perspective, but also, you know, a deep understanding of structured credit and what those markets look like, as well as an interest in crypto or savviness in crypto. And both of those ecosystems today are dominated by men. And the intersection of those two circles is even more narrow. And so what we've really realized here at Block Tower Credit is in order to unearth the right person at those intersections, it takes a lot of work. Like that is, and that is something we have to dedicate ourselves to. Like we have to commit to doing that. I think it was really easy before coming into this position to say, oh, of course, like, you know, we want to hire women. We want to be equitable. We want this to look, we want Block Tower Credit to reflect what society looks like and what we want society to look like and finance to look like and crypto to look like. But you kind of just make that claim and then don't put in the consistent work to do it. And you realize that you're not going to unearth that person. You're probably going to sit, you know, taking the path of least resistance. And that is something we just can't afford to do. Now, Block Tower as a whole is also, you know, I think, and crypto as a whole is also wrangling with this. You know, one of our newest VC team members, Winnie Lau, co-hosted a Woman in Web3 dinner in New York City last week where Block Tower was one of the sponsors. You know, doing more and more things like that where we can get ourselves out there as an institution, as a brand that takes this really, really seriously and is looking to, you know, like bring more women into this ecosystem, not just here at Block Tower, but in crypto in general, if that can be, if we can help by, you know, making the right connections to the right people and, you know, however, however that might manifest. And so I think that's what it really comes down to is, you know, getting ourselves out there as loud advocates for, you know, kind of more gender equality across the crypto ecosystem. And in particular here at Block Tower by doing things like the Women in Web3 dinner, but then also committing to really doing the consistent work necessary in order to find and convince the right talent to come here because, yeah, it doesn't happen overnight. And I'm realizing that every day. Absolutely. And kudos to everything you're trying to do to make this a more prominent issue at your firm and in the industry as a whole. So Kevin, we've covered a lot of extensive ground today. So I wanted to see if you have any final thoughts you would like to share with us. Yeah. You know, I think 
this might not be what people expected when they tuned in because, you know, you start off, oh, wait a second, Block Tower is like this digital asset manager. And then we're talking about asset-backed finance and specialty finance and all of these things. And, you know, we really do sit at this intersection of digital assets and crypto and traditional finance, right? In our case, private credit, that's the type of vehicle that we are. But the really important thing for us here at Block Tower Credit is we're not investors in crypto. We have crypto exposure in our vehicles, which I don't need to get into here, but we are users of this technology, right? Crypto and Bitcoin, Ethereum, Avalanche, Solana, all of these coins, they're highly speculative assets that, you know, it's not in our purview. It's in the other funds of Block Tower's purview to really trade and invest in. For us, we're users of the technology that enables these cryptocurrencies to exist. And there is a bifurcation that's happening with traditional investors today who are starting to realize that. This technology has real implications for finance at large. There's a reason why JP Morgan has their own internal private blockchain. They have their own internal JPM coin. Apollo has been talking about securitization after hiring Christine Moy from JP Morgan. Like all of the big institutions are looking at this technology. And it's important for all of us to separate that from the crypto assets that kind of dominate the headlines. Kevin, absolutely. And I want to thank you so much for sharing your perspective with our listeners today. And thank you for listening to the Eisner Epper podcast series. Visit EisnerEpper.com for more information on this and a host of other topics. And join us for our next Eisner Epper podcast when we get down to business.